Well, good morning and welcome again. Thanks so much for joining us today. My name is Matt, and uh, I get to kind of continue this morning in a series that we started a few weeks ago. So if you, if you look at the bulletin, there's an insert in there that's got uh, a place for you to take some notes if you want to do that. Um, and there's a few blanks for you to fill out just a little bit. We're, we're in a series called Wonderful Counselor, Wonderful Counselor. And so far what we've been doing is really kind of taking each week and looking at, at one specific interaction per week where Jesus meets with an individual um, where Jesus is interacting with them, and uh, at least so far, every week we've had a specific question that Jesus is asking this individual, or, or last week it was a couple guys, but, but a question that Jesus is asking. And, and each of these messages for this short series has kind of been built around that one question. And so the first week, a couple weeks ago, had was... Uh, Something about being afraid last week was uh, something else. I, I remembered well earlier today, but today the question, sorry, today the question is, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? And so we're going to look one more time at an interaction that Jesus has with, with uh, a man where he asks this question, and we'll get into that again in just a little bit. But one of the things that, that I think is true, and, and I'm wondering if your experience has been the same, that sometimes uh, if you have someone that you are speaking with, someone that you know that is a really good question asker, sometimes it does something uh, to like open you up in a new kind of way that you haven't really experienced before. And so e- even if you go to, to professional counseling or something like that, that's kind of the goal is that a counselor is going to try to, to um, often through asking questions, try to, to, to dig deeper into the heart of what's going on in your life or in your situation. And the goal ultimately is not just to provide external wisdom, but to try to help an individual to kind of be introspective a little bit and to turn inside and to, to discover what's, what's taking place in them. And so I really believe that these questions that Jesus asks have that level of intentionality behind them, that when Jesus is asking these questions to the people that he's talking with, it's not that he's, he simply is just conversing with them. I think that really these questions have some deeper meaning, and he's really trying to get to the heart of something that's happening a little below the surface um, as, he's, as he's talking with these people and asking them questions. I don't know what your experience has been. I've, I've had a couple times where... I specifically remember conversations from years ago where uh, someone asking me some specific questions almost caused me to think about something that I hadn't really thought about exactly or I hadn't been able to put into words. And it was, it was really as a result of them kind of probing me caused me to have sometimes a new realization. I remember... I remember uh, when I was in high school, finishing high school, kind of the summer after I was done with high school, I had a guy that was in my life that who, who was, I kind of looked at him as a mentor, as a, a teacher, someone that I respected and, and all of those things. And we were having a conversation that summer and, and I remember him just looking at me and saying, we, I, we were kind of talking about my plans and what I was doing next. And uh, if I was uh, going to college, I had all my, my college plans kind of lined out. And he just kind of looked at me and said like, do you want to go to college? 
And, and I thought for a second, like, that's such a dumb question. Like, I, you know that I've got all these plans, I'm doing this, and, and, but for some reason, because of that conversation and that question, it caused me to stop, and, and I kind of realized in that moment, like, no, I don't like it all, not even a little bit. That, and this was like a new realization for me that I had not really realized was down there. And it was simply because of this question that was kind of posed to me that, that caused me to look inside and realize, oh, there's something else like happening that, that I, I wasn't completely aware of. And, and uh, I remember a few years later after that, um, having another conversation with someone else, and it was at a little bit different point in my life and had experienced some different things, but I, I similar kind of person in my life who I kind of looked up to, a mentor kind of individual, someone who had seen a lot through me, who I felt like had good vantage point of my life, it had some questions for me again and kind of said, like, do you think that it's possible that God could be calling you like into ministry or, or something like that. And, and for me, that was another one of those moments where it was like this question that in a lot of ways, I felt like if I had kind of like backed up out of my life and was watching it as a movie, like I could see that. But in the moment, like I didn't really see that exactly until his question kind of came to me. And, and it was his question that kind of forced me to like look at my situation a little bit differently. And, uh, and God used that in a specific way at that point. I remember a few years down the road, even past that, there was a lady that, um, that I, I knew well, and she had always been one of those really good question askers in my life. And every time I talked with her, it always felt like, yeah, I had no intent to tell her like any of those things and somehow she just asked questions and it just like all came out and, and she was one of those people. And, and so I remember talking to her and, and she was asking me some questions at that point about a girl that I was dating and, and she was kind of saying like, well, do you think that this is it? Do you think like this is the girl that you want to marry? Like, do you see yourself like having a future with her? And, and the reality is like I had thought about some of those things, but it was really through her questioning that kind of forced me to come to a place of, of self-examination and it forced me to kind of come to a place where that, I remember that conversation, that was kind of one of the first times that I, uh, that I like verbalized, like, yeah, I do, I, I, I do think that this is going someplace. Like, and for me, that kind of changed my mindset a little bit. And then I ended up marrying her and I was, she helped me to like kind of get there. And uh, it, those kinds of things are the idea, I think behind this series and, and I think behind what Jesus often did is that he, he had a way of approaching people and asking questions sometimes in, in the way he talked and interacted with people that caused them, I believe, to, to see a situation a little bit differently. Or, or uh, he kind of cut to the heart of what was going on in a way that, that hadn't taken place yet. And so we're gonna look at that uh, again today. And I think, I think that as we do that today through this um, new question, do you want to get well? And through this situation that we're looking at in the book of John, I think that there are some things that can cause us to hopefully do the same thing, to kind of look 
inside a little bit, to, to have a certain level of introspection, to maybe see some things in our life, um, in our lives through hopefully a, a new lens a little bit. And uh, my prayer today is that, that Jesus helps us to have some of those same moments together. Uh, the focus this morning is simply this. We'll just go by it fast. But the, the focus is that there is always hope. There is always hope to be made whole through Jesus. There is always hope to be made whole through Jesus. So the first thing I want to do is I just want to get into Scripture, and I'd like to look at this, this interaction that Jesus has with this man. It's, it's found in the book of John, chapter 5. If you want to look in your Bible, you can. If you want to use the Bible on the chair in front of you, you can. Some of you don't know this, but the phone that you carry in your pocket can have apps on it that are entire texts of the Bible. And so if you don't have that, if the only reason you have your phone is for playing Candy Crush, like you should branch out a little bit, <laughs> download a Bible app, and then you can look at it during church, and I'll just assume that you're not playing games and that you're just tracking right with me. Um, there's lots of ways to look at Scripture. It's up on the screen if you want to follow me there as well. John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9 are what we're looking at. It says this. It says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool. I don't know whose idea it was to put a pool next to the Sheep Gate. It doesn't seem like the best location in my mind. I, I would maybe want my pool to be far away from the sheep gate and the things that happen there. But nevertheless, that's where we find ourselves in Jerusalem near the sheep gate at a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida, it says, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. So it's kind of setting the, the scene a little bit for us. Um, it says, here is a great number of disabled, um, here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. Um, if you're looking in your Bible, you may notice this, you won't notice this from looking at the screen, but there's a, there's a verse, unless you have a King James Bible in front of you, there's a verse that's kind of missing from here, and there's a little note possibly in your Bible that might say, Verse four is not here. Um, and, and so in a lot of our, our newer translations, verse four is omitted or kind of left as like a footnote. I think there's good reason for this. You can read about it and you can study about why some scholars think that verse four is a little bit more of a, a footnote or a side note and not necessarily part of the actual text. But, but I think it's actually helpful to give us a little bit more understanding of what's going on and why a great number of disabled people used to lie next to this pool. Um, so I'll let you look into more, more of that, why it's there or why it's not there if, if you wanna do that on your own. But I'll just tell you what it says in case you don't have it in front of you. Basically what it tells us is that the, the kind of tradition at that point was that uh, there was a belief that this pool had a certain level of kind of healing ability and so a lot of these folks, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, would go to this pool and lie there next to it. And the idea was that an angel of the Lord would periodically come to this pool and stir up the waters or make the waters bubble or do something. And when this took place, 
if you were the first one to get yourself into the water, that it had the ability to heal you, whatever ailed you and, and whatever your issue was. And so these folks were laying next to this pool with the idea that this was the place where there might be a chance that they could experience healing and where there might be a chance that they could be um, th their issues, their, their blindness, their, their lameness, their, their paralyzation could be remedied. And, and that was kind of the idea why they were there. It says next, it says, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years, for 38 years. I just want you to think about that for a moment. For 38 years, that is a long time to experience the same issue. And this guy is laying here next to the pool, presumably with the hope to be healed like these other people. And that's kind of where we find ourselves. It says, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? And I read this, and one of my first thoughts is like, what a dumb question. <laughs> like, I have, I have much respect for Jesus, and I, and, and I don't think that he would ask such a dumb question, but, but my first response is like, that's so almost insulting to ask this question of this guy who's there. It says he's been there for, for 38 years, been in this condition for 38 years, been laying next to this pool. Do you want to get well? Like, that's what you ask me? Of course I want to get well. Like, why do you think that I'm here? Like, it's, I'm not just getting a tan. It's not just a nice place to enjoy, like, the smell of the sheep. <laughs> I, of course... Of course I want to get well, like why? And yet, these questions that Jesus asked, just like we talked about already, I, like, like a wise counselor, he asked these questions, I really believe, not because he's just trying to like state the obvious thing and get that out in the open, but I think that Jesus has something deeper that he's trying to get to the heart of here. We find out the guy's response on the, on the next slide. Here's his response. He says, sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And we're going to pause right there. We'll get back to the end in just a second. But this is the moment that I feel like for us becomes a little bit of a mirror for our situation. That, that this, uh, this thing happens where, where Jesus comes and asks this question that on the surface seems like such an obvious question. He says, do you want to get well? And this guy, his response, I think, unfortunately reminds me of my response a lot of times, and, and I think probably a response that, that you may have had at some point as well. He says, this is kind of my paraphrase of his response, I wanna get well, but there's all these things that are keeping me from being able to get well. Of course I wanna get well, like, are you dense? 
That's why I'm here. But all of these things continue to get in my way. All of these circumstances are stopping me and slowing me down, and that's how it's always been. Of course I want to get well, but any time the water stirs, someone else gets there first. Anytime I'm ready to go, like I don't have anyone to help me. And so what happens for this guy is this, the thing that, that I see in myself is this thing that I think, if you're honest, you can see in yourself, is that, that we sometimes have ways that, that we're sick, that we have issues, that we have struggles, that we have things that have held us captive, sometimes for a long time. And our response often is, I want to get better, but there's all these reasons that I kind of can't, or I kind of won't, or I'm never really going to be able to get better. Like, of course, I want to, like, some level, uh, like, that's, that's what I want. But I also know there's all these things that are in between me and getting well, and I... That, that it always stops me and it always slows me down. What I hear in this response from this guy is the thing that I hear in myself sometimes, which is a sense of hopelessness, which is a sense of, of frustration, which is a sense of discouragement. Because we look at those situations, we look at those things, and, and this guy for 38 years, some of you, I, there's things that have been in your life that have felt like a monkey on your back that you can't seem to shake loose, that you know is a way that you're broken and a way that you are sick. And your response is like, of, of course I want to be better, but I just don't really like see the way that that can happen. There's so many things like in between my circumstances right now and the place where I could get better, that like, of course I want it, but like, I don't really see it. Like, someone always gets there first. I don't have anybody to help me. And so what happens is we get stuck. And I think that what, what happened with this guy is that in a lot of ways, he, he felt stuck and, and didn't feel like he had any other thing to do. He lived in a culture and a time where, where uh, he didn't have any services available to him. He didn't have any ways to live any kind of better quality of life. He was an outcast. He was, he was looked down on by his society. And he just felt stuck and felt like, like I hear that in his response. Like, there's nowhere for me to go. Like, sure, I want to get well. I've been trying forever. It hasn't worked. Hopelessness, frustration, discouragement. I think that sometimes if we're honest, what, what happens with us is that that we have some of those things that really kind of become excuses. They kind of become like, I, I'm, even though I know this is not a good place for me, it still is my comfortable place. Like, even though I know that this is not the healthiest situation for me, 
that these actions, these behaviors, these habits, these addictions, whatever it is, even though I know that this isn't like what's best, it still feels comfortable. And so we kind of just settle in and just stay there. I came across this quote that I thought was just really good from um, St. Augustine, and it's up on the screen. It says this, the life to which we are accustomed holds us more than the life we long for. The life to which we are accustomed holds us more than the life we long for. And so we end up in a situation that I feel like is much like this guy, where he's laying by this pool, wanting things to be different on some level, but, but I feel like he's resigned himself to the fact that it's probably never gonna change. It's probably never gonna get better. And I feel like we do the same thing. I feel like we're sitting on the edge of the pool and it's like, I know it's not good, but this is probably just like how it's always gonna be. This is probably just me. Like, there's probably no changing this. There's probably no getting over this or getting past this. And we just kind of settle into like being okay with that. And what I wanna tell you today that I've learned about Jesus and that I know and am confident with all of my heart today is this first thing, that the situation Jesus is involved, the situation is never hopeless. When Jesus is involved, the situation is never hopeless. 14,000 days, that's how much uh, 38 years is. It's like 13,877 or something like that. Don't do the math and check me because I'm not sure. I think it's close to that though. Um, it's almost 14,000 days. There's like five people that are checking it now. <laughs> Just because I said that. It's, it's almost 14,000 days that this guy has been waking up to the understanding and, and the frustrating, discouraging realization that, yep, here goes another day of this. Like 14,000 mornings in a row waking up to the same thing, knowing that like, it's how it's always been, man. Like, that's just me. It's just my situation. Like, it's, sure, I, I wanna be well, but that's a long time to build a, a, a level of hopelessness into someone. And so, I don't know where you're coming from. I don't know what your thing is, what your situation is, but I wanna tell you that, that I know that there's probably people in here who have had 14,000 days or it feels like 14,000 days or, or it feels like 100,000 days, like waking up over and over and feeling like, yeah, here we go again. I wish it was different, but it's not. And what I wanna tell you is this, what I need you to hear is that I really believe that with Jesus, the situation is never hopeless. That there is hope for something new and better. That there is hope for a fresh start. That there is hope to be healed. But I think he requires something from us. 
think that he requires our participation. There's a line that I, I want to make sure you don't hear me say. You've heard, you've heard it said lots and lots of times that God helps those who help themselves. This is not that. That's not what I'm talking about, and that's, that's not a biblical concept. But the idea here that he requires our participation is that he even looks at this guy, and, and I feel like that's part of what he's asking is like, do you want to be well, or are you so far gone that, that you don't have any hope to hang on to? Do you want to be well? Do you want something different and something better than this? Do you want that? Do you want to be made well? This is what happens back to the, the end of that section in John. The, the man responds to God, kind of gives, or responds to Jesus, gives some of his uh, reasons why he hasn't been healed yet. And so at the end of the, the John section, it says, then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. It says that once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. There's two little things here that I, that I feel like um, is required of this man and his kind of participation. Interestingly enough, he's not the one who even seeks out Jesus. Jesus comes and finds him. Like, like this man really doesn't have much level of participation that Jesus is even expecting, but there's, there's two little things. And the first thing is I think that, I think that Jesus recognizes that, that he has to want it. Even if it's just a little bit, even if it's just the tiniest bit of desire or will, that, that he asks, do you want to be healed? And, and I'm, uh, this, is, this is guess on my part because it's not here. But, but I'm guessing that Jesus, in his, in his divine wisdom, was able to, to know even just for a moment that this man had a response in his heart of, yeah, I, I do want to be well. And so I, I think that that's one of the first things. And then, and then Jesus asks him to do something else. He says, then get up and pick up your mat and walk. And so he gets up and he picks up his mat and he walks. And I don't say that because I, I, I'm trying to, to somehow like simplify things to this, this place where it's like this easy formula for us. And I'm not saying that because I think it's, it's this straightforward, exact process every time. But I am saying that I think that, I think that there's something that we need to do to step toward Jesus just a little bit. That when he looks at us and says, like, do you want to be well? I think there's got to be a place in us that, that says, yeah, man, I, I do. I do want to be well. But I know, I don't know for sure, but, but I know that, that after 14,000 days of the same thing over and over, even having, like, the tiniest ability to say, like, I I do want to be well. Having that will or that desire is probably tough to muster up. But do you know what the good news is? That when we can't on our own come up with that, there's something else. In Philippians 2, 13, 
we read this. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. I believe what this is saying to us is that, you know what? When we don't have even the tiniest bit of will, like, God can still provide that to us. Like, like he can give us even the will that we need. He can give us what we need to act and to respond to him. That goes with the next two blanks for you to fill out. That God gives us what we need to change our desires and that God gives us what we need to change our actions. God gives us what we need to change our desires and God gives us what we need to change our actions. I don't really know like where, where you're at or what you've been through or where you're at even today. I do know this, that, that we get stuck, that, that it, it's hard to, to continue waking up day after day and, and know that like, yep, I'm, I feel like I'm in the same spot I was yesterday and I don't think anything is gonna change today really. Like I kinda want it to but, but experience tells me like it's probably not going to. And, and that can be all kinds of different things. It can be, it can be uh, habits or addictions or, or destructive behaviors. You could, be, you could be dependent on, on substances that, that are holding you captive. It could be things like you, you just can't stop going back to, to pornography. You can't stop going back to a bottle. You can't stop going, whatever it is. It could be that, that you have just had bitterness and resentment like in your heart toward someone or toward a situation or, or, or toward a, a lack of something in your life. And that's a thing that you, you just know, it, like your attitude is held captive by that. And it was like that for the last 13,999 days. And it feels like it's gonna be like that tomorrow too. But what I wanna say again is that I believe that Jesus changes that. that. That an encounter with Jesus is always hope to hang on to. I believe that, that the God that I know, and the God that I continue to, to learn about is a God of hope and love and mercy and restoration and healing. Jesus says this in Luke chapter four. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. I can't tell you for sure that like if you've been, even if, if the thing that's been 
weighing on you for years or even decades is, is something physical, I can't tell you that, that God is gonna touch you and heal your body today. Oh, I wish I could do that. I wish, I wish that was a thing that I could say for sure was gonna take place when you walked out of here, and, and I don't know that. But I can tell you that the God I serve is capable of that. I, I, can't, I can't tell you that he's gonna heal you and change you and, and cause you to start new in the way that you're hoping exactly. This guy, that he was, he was looking for someone that was gonna help him into the water. And when he encountered Jesus, he was healed, but not in the way he was expecting. And so I, so I, can't, I can't tell you that, that the way you're hoping or the way that you're expecting or the thing that you've been putting all your, uh, like hanging your hopes on is gonna be how he does it. But what I can tell you is that he is a God who wants to see his people healed and restored that Jesus is strong, that Jesus is powerful, that Jesus is able to make you well and to make you whole. That when you feel like it's been 13,999 days, like, it doesn't matter. Like, Jesus can touch you today and change things in the instant like he changed it for this guy. Because he's a God who wants to restore you, who wants to see you set free. It's, it says it right there. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. He's not just talking about people who are in jail. Like, like he's talking about people who are in chains because of those things that hold us captive. Like, like, it is not the will of God for you to be in captivity because of your addictions. Like, it is not the will of God for you to be held in a place of dependency on anything but him. Like, Jesus can change you when you encounter him. And even if you don't have the will, he can give it to you. And so what I want to tell you today is this, and just, just leave you with this today, is that I really believe with everything that I am that there is hope for something new, that there's hope for a fresh start, that there's hope that even the thing that feels like it's been with you for decades maybe, that Jesus can change that, that Jesus can set you free from the captivity that you felt, that Jesus can break the chains and make you new. I believe that what he, he's looking for us to do is to step in his direction. To step toward him with our heart, with our will, with our desire to, to say to him today, God, not, not my will, but your will. Like, I want you to be the one that shapes the desires of my heart. I want you to be the one that is having your way in me. To surrender to him, I think that's what he wants us to do today. 
I think that's what he wants us to do this week. I think that that's an, a thing that happens every week, every day, every hour, moment by moment for us to look at him and say, not my will, but yours. Jesus, have your way in me. And when I'm too weak to be strong, when I, when I don't have the will, God, would you give me the will that I need? to be able to continue stepping toward you and toward the freedom that you have and toward the healing that you have. And so, so what I wanna leave you with today is this, that, that if that's you, like if, if there are those things that you feel like, I, I, I just don't know, I, I feel discouraged and I feel frustrated and I don't feel like I've experienced the kind of life that I think that God has for me, and I, and I don't experience joy, and, and I feel like I'm plagued by bitterness, or, or yeah, I feel like I'm in captivity to this thing or that thing. What I want to tell you is that I really believe that the answer is in Jesus, and the answer is in you stepping toward him, and the answer is in us together saying, like, have your way in me, God. Like this minute, have your way in me. And this hour, have your way in me. Not my will, but your will be done in my life, God. Do you want to be well? Do you, do you want to be made whole? He has that for you. Because he is the chain breaker he is the source of hope and he is the source of freedom for me and for you. He is a good God. And as you surrender yourself for him, he can have his way in you. Jesus, I ask that you would help us to do that, that you would help us right, right now to surrender ourselves, to surrender our wills, to surrender our desires to you, God. That if we're in a place where it's felt hopeless, where it's felt frustrating, where it's felt discouraging, God, that you would remind us that we can hope in you. Father, would you grow our trust in you? Would you grow our dependence on you? Would you have your way in each of us? Or would you give us the will? Would you give us the ability to act? God, not our will, but yours in us. Not, your, not my will, but yours in me. God, have your way today. Jesus' name, amen.